Whether you're a perfectionist, type A, a go-getter, or somebody who will stop at nothing to get it done, this show is for you. This is the Lucy Beatrix Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. On my show, I talk about everything from my past life as a fashion model on the covers of magazines to my life now as a competitive athlete breaking the tapes at races here in New York City. On today's show, I'm going to be talking about what it's like to be determined, striving, hopeful, chasing big dreams. So stay tuned. If you've ever wanted to run with me in person, you totally can, and you have options. You can either run with me for recovery runs on Thursdays at the Fix Studio here in New York on 23rd and 7th. You can register in the link in my bio to get three easy shuffle miles around the city, or if you want to start taking your running to the next level and learn how to be competitive and faster getting on the track, come to my track class with a fellow running coach named Allie. We teach track every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Register in the link in my show notes, and I hope to see you there. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I hit over 15,000 downloads of the Lucy Beatrix podcast two weeks ago, and that feels like a really big accomplishment. So thanks for tuning in. It means a lot. It warms my little heart to think you guys are listening to what I have to say. On today's show, I mentioned that I'm going to be talking about perfectionism and how to navigate the high highs and low lows that come with being type A. I am a bona fide overachiever, and I've always been this way. It's just kind of part of my personality. It's how I've managed to do big things, like get myself on the cover of Elle magazine or break the tapes at New York City races, and even just striving towards the Olympic trials. I go big and I do things in huge ways. Um, so it's just kind of like how I am. And this is going to be talking about how to navigate that type of personality. So I'm going to back up and go to the very beginning of when I first was an overachiever or when I noticed this about myself. Um, when I was in first grade, there was this book reading contest of every time you read a book from cover to cover, you got like a sticker and you would put it by your name, and by the end of the year, the person with the most stickers wins an award. And my first grade teacher, Mrs. Bateman, at Green Trails Elementary School, uh, had my name up on the you know poster board, and every day I came in with uh, the signature from my parent that told them that I, wrote, I read a book. So every time you read a book, you would have your parent um, sign something that said you actually read it or something. I don't really remember how it worked. But I was a diligent reader. Every single night, I stayed up reading books that were way over my level of reading, books that were meant for third and fourth graders. I was reading as a first grader. Um, I would stay up until two or three in the morning reading these chapter books from cover to cover. And while they weren't like literature, they were like the Babysitter's Club or the Boxcar Children, I was obsessed. I was like, I'm going to get all the stickers. And by the end of the year, I'm not even going to win this. I'm going to win it by so many stickers and people were just gonna think wow she read all the books and so I look at that and I was like that was my first example of I want to win everything <laughs> um and I laugh because I in the process of that I got really good at reading and I fell in love with words and I mean it kind of set the trajectory for the rest of my life of wanting to be a writer and following my dad's footsteps 
But the point is, is that I set out to do something and not only did I win, but I went one with flying colors that my teacher was so amazed that she ended up buying me three chapter books or three books that um, I really wanted. And, you know, I'll, I'll always remember that as my first big uh, endeavor into being type A of just be fast, just win. But the first grade Lucy version of that. So, OK, so fast forward. I was kind of like that up until about third grade when suddenly I wasn't just winning everything. I took a class to or I took a test to try to get into the gifted and talented program, which was kind of like the elite uh, academic program for my elementary school. You might have heard of it if you're from the Midwest or I don't even know if all schools do this, but it's like where you take a test to see if you were above the regular academic level and then you get to be in this like special program and I was really excited to take this test but my scores did not put me in this gifted and talented program and I blame I remember just I, I blamed not knowing the seven c's because she asked me what the seven c's were in the test and I, I didn't know and I knew that that was my that was my downfall because I didn't know the seven c's and I think that like I would like fall asleep at night like reliving that moment over and over again of this teacher saying name the seven C's and I just didn't know them I knew like the dead C but I didn't know the other ones so um I just remember feeling so crushed I mean to this day I still feel sad about it because I just so badly wanted to be in that program then fast forward when that happened I felt like, well, wait a minute, I'm not the best anymore. I'm not the best. If I was, I'd be in gifted and talented. I'd be this extra um, in this extra academic program. And because I'm not, I decided to just give up. And I think that this is very telling of a certain kind of perfectionism of if you can't win, then you don't even race at all. Because I see that in my life now. So, you know. Gonna stay back in the elementary school era as I tell this story. Um, so you know, the next year in fourth grade, I decided that I wasn't gonna try at all because I wasn't in gifted and talented. I was just gonna give up. And sure enough, within a few months of fourth grade, they started testing me for um, delayed delayed learning, meaning like they wanted to see if I had some kind of a learning disability because my test scores just dropped. They plummeted and. I started having behavioral problems. I couldn't focus in school. I didn't want to focus. I completely gave up. And I think it's because I was let down by not being considered smart enough to be in this other program. So this was uh, the beginning of the pendulum swing of like the high highs and low lows that come with trying to be the best at something that I was doing. And if I didn't get that, then I would um, just give up completely. So fast forward and I was in high school when I was scouted to become a model. <laughs> I mean, I was a dork. I was a really geeky girl. But for whatever reason, I was scouted because I was like this gangly 5'10 girl who fit the archetype of what a fashion model looks like. And I got plucked out of my hometown, ended up going to New York City. I ended up signing a contract as a teenager with Ford Models, which is one of the best agencies in the world. And my perfectionism was reawakened because I was like, I'm not even going to be just like kind of a model. I'm going to be a really freaking good model and I'm going to make a living doing this 
and support myself in New York because I kind of had no choice. <laughs> I didn't really have a fallback option. I just knew I needed to make a living because, I mean, I didn't come from any kind of financial backing or support. So if I was going to make it as a model, I had to do it where I was actually earning the kind of income that would be able to provide for myself to live alone in New York and start this new life. So I researched and learned everything I possibly could about the industry, learned it, lived it from the inside out, was the model that Ford signed, meaning like I was the girl that they had all these hopes for and ended up working hard for a decade, killing it. I was on the cover of Elle. I was on the cover of multiple national magazines. And I was the girl that they called for big catalog jobs. I was making good money and did pretty well for myself. But, you know, with all things like this, um, my heart had to be in the thing that I was going after to really strive and make it my all or put all of my attention into it. So when uh, when modeling no longer spoke to me or when I realized in my 20s that this wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and obviously, I mean, it's just it's a certain kind of industry that you don't necessarily – there's a timeline and you have to kind of think and plan how you want to let it work for you when you're not no longer just being um, valued on how you look. Because, yeah, sure, people can work for a long time. And um, there are models I know who have worked into their 40s and even later than that. But I knew that I wanted to transition to the other side of the camera and do things in production and art direction. And um, so I did. So I went from having a high, high, amazing career and then transitioned to the other side of the camera and have worked in photo studios and um, more more fulfilling work. But all the while, I got really good at running. And so when I started running, I did the same thing that I did with my modeling career, where I went big and I freaking learned running from the inside out and how to train um, and did that with my all. So I got pretty competitive pretty quickly and managed to run some pretty fast times that have put me in the, you know, some pretty high rankings here in New York. So that said, going after things and having all of your energy go and direct towards them takes a lot. And it's not like it's always high, 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 high. There are lows that accompany every high. And there's a lot of risk and there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. When I first moved to New York with this contract with Ford, I had to sign a lease to an apartment that I was living at alone and just hope that I'd be able to make that rent. I just had to have faith and think, okay, well, I'm signing with this good agency. I hope that I make enough money to pay this rent. But because I signed it and I knew I had this pressure, I think that gave me the hustle to then go to my castings and be like life or death about it and, and decide that I have to impress these casting directors. I have to show them that I'm different. I have to bring something to the table that no other girl has. And the same goes with running. I have run like my life has depended on it. I've treated it like it's my everything. And that's gotten me some really good times. But it's also added a lot of stress and a lot of fear and just all around the unknown of how can I keep this up or what happens if I don't win this race or what if I don't get the qualifying time. So yeah, it can be kind of scary. But I sometimes think that the secret to navigating this type of perfectionism is to take a step back, look at things for what they are, and realizing that nothing truly is life or death. 
and that we're fortunate that there are ways to make things work even if um, it's not the way that you think it's going to work. So for example, with modeling, the end goal was always to just be able to make a living. Now, there were some really big opportunities that came my way that I didn't get. So for every huge thing that people see that I had have done, there were things that were even bigger than that that I didn't get that in the moment felt like the end-all be-all. Like back in the day, Victoria's Secret was a huge, huge, huge thing to, to do, to walk the show at Victoria's Secret. And I was being called in for casting after casting, callbacks, callbacks to maybe be in the show. And I will never forget when my agent told me that I had the last callback for the show and to like look my best and I was going to go the next day. And she was really excited thinking I was going to get it. And I didn't get it. And it was crushing because that was going to be the thing that was going to set me apart and put me into supermodel status. And while I had a lot of other amazing things happen, that one thing didn't put me there. So I look at certain things like that and I'm like, yeah, that was very, that was a definitive moment where it would have taken me to the next level as a model. But maybe it's good that it didn't. Maybe I wasn't destined to be that kind of a supermodel and maybe I was supposed to just kind of float along and be an okay model and then find myself on the other side of the camera because who knows maybe if I was some some supermodel I would have just been stuck in that category forever and nobody would have taken me seriously on the other side of things who really knows but the same goes for running maybe not getting the Olympic trials qualifier in 2020 helped me get the fire to try to chase different distances in the track And maybe it will mean that when I finally do get it for 2024, I'll be that much more, uh, feel more of a reward because it took so much more work. So I think that it's just about perspective and not letting the low lows truly bring you down because you never know what the next thing is going to be to try to work towards. And if you are a perfectionist, the beauty is that you're always going to be finding that next thing to be the best at, even if you have setbacks. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with perfectionism because I've seen how it's served me. And despite the low lows, the high highs are always what outweighs that. And I'd rather be striving and a little bit scared sometimes about how things are going to work out than have no ambition or no drive. Because I don't really identify or understand the no ambition and no drive thing. People have come to me and said, how do I get motivated? How do I get determined? And I'm like, I don't know, because I have too much of it. Like, I can't turn it off. I go to bed at night dreaming about what my next big endeavor is going to be or how to how to go big for like everything that I put myself into, whether that's writing or producing or shooting or, you know, everything. I just I I just go big with everything. So I can't I can't turn it off. But um, that said, Yeah, I mean, perfectionism is a blessing and it's something that makes me me, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So if you are also a perfectionist or type A, a go-getter, any of those things, you're just like me and we're in this together, but we have to just keep ourselves grounded and know that just because an outcome isn't the way that we picture it doesn't mean that there's going to be Uh, something that means that there might be something else just waiting for you around the corner that you can also direct that same energy towards and it might be for a better result that you would have never seen coming your way. So hopefully this episode shed light on how I look at my perfectionism and treat it like a gift 
And if you have the similar kind of tendencies, hit me up on Instagram. I'd like to hear how you navigate your high highs and low lows. I'm at Lucy Beatrix, L-U-C-I-E-B-E-A-T-R-I-X. And until next time, just be fast. Just win. <laughs>